welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is filmmaker Jerry Alden Deal. He is the writer, producer, and director of Dreams Awake, which is about a family that has lost its communication and cohesion, and about the intense revelations that help them rediscover themselves and reconnect with each other. It's the first film completely written, shot, and edited in the Mount Shasta area, and reflects the mystique of the place. Dreams Awake is Jerry's 17th screenplay, and although he has been in the filmmaking world since the 80s, the film is Jerry's feature directorial debut. Jerry has several other feature film projects in development, including Portal 2012 and Finding Daylight, which will be sequels to Dreams Awake and will complete his projected Awaken trilogy. Well, we certainly look forward to that, and I'm delighted to welcome you, Jerry Alden Deal. Thank you very much, Mary, for having me today. It's a, it's our pleasure, Jerry. Um, you know, it's interesting. Everything that you've done in your professional career seemed to have been preparing you for writing and producing your own films. But why did you des- decide to go down the spiritual path with it? Um, you mean how did I the original spiritual path, or just with the filmmaking? Because I, I, I actually had a, a spiritual path going way before I got in the filmmaking world. And the filmmaking world seemed like such a, a natural um, way to go because of the communication aspects and how, how you can get that type of message out to a lot of people. And um, I actually had some out-of-body experiences when I was a young child. Really? That actually got me looking spiritually. By the time I was a teenager, I had a number of experiences then. And I just started looking around that. I was actually living uh, in Texas, and I went to the University of Texas at the time in the late, in the early 70s, uh, was a big, big time for this type of growth. And, and I moved up to Austin and went to the University of Texas, and there was a lot of those types of things around me. It was a really big revelation. So I just became a searcher really early on and got involved in me. I'd always been a writer. I'd, I'd write short stories since I was a child. And, uh, when I went to the University of Texas, I was an English major for the most part and got involved with some student films and over time and was really doing a lot of traditional stuff. And so the spiritual part just kind of came with, as I grew in the film world, the spiritual part just was always there and I decided I need to explore more of that way through filmmaking. So that's kind of how that came together. That That's interesting because you think of filmmakers and artists in general as being much more open to the spiritual dimensions, but you don't see it reflected that much in films. So Yeah, you know, isn't that funny? I, I, I always thought that that would be true, too, but I found a lot of people in the filmmaking world really are not that way. Huh. Uh, I found it to be um, kind of the opposite. I, I mean, I, get me wrong, there are people involved, but it seems a pretty small minority. And in fact, the whole sort of spiritual film thing that's grew up that, that Stephen Simon and some other people have gotten into seems a bit late coming to me. I mean, it was great that it's been happening, but um, I kind of wondered that myself, you know, a little bit of a surprise. Because I, I was always a little shy talking about it, because when I did, people would look at me like like I was some kind of weirdo. Mm-hmm. funny. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. You would think that. Hmm. So, tell us a bit about what Dreams Awake is. Uh, the, the the plot is about. Well, the plot is about a family that's pretty disconnected, as far as a family. It, it's 
you could probably say it's kind of a typical of a modern family with all the uh, modern technology that, that distracts us all and, and kind of unconnects us from the, the human element of, and also with nature, how, you know, the real um, suburban type of life a lot of people live. And um, so they get thrust into this other world where, they, where they're actually on a vacation together and um, break down outside of a place that is a spiritual, is a well-known spiritual place, not Shasta. And they kind of get stuck with each other in trying to figure out what's going on. And, and of course, the main character, the mother, um, has a, pre, uh, a past connection to the mountain, unknowingly to her, that she rediscovers and helps her kind of put together her past and, and deal with that. But there's also current things going on with the family that, that, that are going on that sort of... The original screenplay that I wrote was more of an ensemble piece where all four of the family members each had a major thing, but but through major through a number of rewrites, I realized it didn't work. We had to have a really driving force um, main character, and it's really funny when you write. Sometimes um, the characters start writing their own parts in a way, and the mother. <laughs> Through subsequent drafts, the mother became the stronger character. And when I was writing that, I did not know what that would happen. It just came out that way. After about six or seven drafts of the screenplay, it just came. And then I really changed the story, and it revolved around her more than anything else. And so, that, it, it, anyway. So that's so that's funny. I've heard authors say the same thing. that they Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's really amazing. So you wonder sometimes, is, is, is it, am I writing it, really, or is there some <laughs> kind of family thing going on? So, uh, and that really came out. And, and interestingly enough, I wrote the whole screenplay, the draft, up in Mount Shasta at our place. Um, stayed up there for, and whenever, I, sometimes I would come down here and we do a little, do a little polish on the script, but I always felt like I need to be up there. And I went through the whole process of doing that. And it, and it, just being in the environment, I think helped the process, kind of being away from the LA sort of Hollywood film environment that I've been around, um, helped the process of the story. Um, telling uh take place so i'm glad i really did that part it really affected how the movie came out i think huh well you opened with a scene at breakfast that reminded me of a pinball machine where the family members kind of circle around each other and if they make contact they're immediately repelled i I, I really feel like you've struck a deep chord here yeah, it was on purpose to show the disconnectedness of them, that they're just not sitting around a table like people used to be and, and eating and talking and having, and having some kind of interaction. They're all just all going different ways, bouncing off each other. Yeah, it was just, I've seen that before, so it's, I just felt like I had to set it up that way to show this family just so disconnected. They can't even sit down and really talk and look at each other. You know? hmm. so it set up the whole foundation for where the story needed to go to change that in the end where you see them to kind of together at the end of the film. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say is sort of, is there an overall theme to dreams awake? Um, yeah, th- there is an overall theme. There's, there's several sub themes kind of, cause there's several things going on. I wrote it at several different levels, but for me, the main theme is, is, is through the main character of hope where she has to find the courage to take um, really control the responsibility for her own spiritual growth. Because really the way it opens, she's kind of avoiding these things. She's, these things are happening to her and she doesn't know how, and she gets thrust into it, deeper, deeper into it, to where they're actually at the mountain. And she doesn't have a choice, but in a way, the forces. So it's sort of the old Joseph Campbell idea of hero of the journey, the journey of the hero, I'm sorry, and a theme where she has to go through 
this and discover what's going on with her. And so she really has to take have some kind of ownership of that, of her own spiritual growth. And um, it feels like in the beginning she doesn't, in a way, have the courage to do that. She has to find the courage to do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think a lot of times people give lip service to that when you look at it. I mean, I grew up in a fairly traditional family where we did, where we, we kind of went to church on Sundays every once in a while, but nobody really lived it or or it just didn't seem just you know it didn't seem quite right and, and anything didn't fit together where you actually live a spiritual life and think of those types of things day in and day out and you just don't pay homage to it whenever you want and then you know so it's to me it was more about taking responsibility of that and then really trying to live it and which which it looks like some people are trying to do more and more when you look at all the alternative spirituality that's going on in the world now. As a filmmaker, um, you you observe the world quite intently, um, and I'm hopeful that artists like you are the forerunners of really what is a kind of a movement, a mass movement of awakening. And in fact, that's what you've called your, your trilogy and, and your, your film itself, Dreams Awake, this film. What do you mean by the term Dreams Awake? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I really, in the, end, I, in the beginning, that wasn't the title of the film. I was taken by a quote by Henry David Thoreau, who I like a lot, and he has a quote that you are in your truest life when you are in dreams awake. And it's kind of like, I guess you could say the idea is that we live kind of in, we go through life kind of in a little bit of a trance, like an illusion. And you need to sort of stop, like you said, and have intent and kind of wake up within this dream to, to figure out who we really are and what we're really doing here. And I think people just go through the motions. I see it all the time. Um, I've done a fair amount of traveling lately to film festivals and talk to people, and I, you know, I like to observe them. And I just—it's kind of disheartening sometimes when you just see people that are just going through this sort of trance-like state, they're just automatons, and, and you think, "Wow, if they could just wake up a little bit and sort of like pay attention to what they're really doing." And, I, and when I say that to others, I'm not trying to judge them because I had to look at myself that way. I had to turn out to is this what I'm doing in my life? And like you said, have that intent and and. and and think about that's what I'm doing. So that's what I mean is that we, you know, what are we really doing here? I mean, you know, we just sitting here so we can wake up every morning and, and have a job and go out in the world and come back and have our family and, and do all those little things. But what are we really doing? You know, what are we adding? You know, how are we living our life? How, what spiritually are we taking from this and how are we adding to it? And, and uh, so that's, that's kind of like that, having that intent of kind of waking up in the dream that a lot of us seem to be in. So for me, that's what it means. And, and originally, the title was actually "Where Heaven, Where Heaven and Earth Meet," which is a quote that comes from what people talk about Mount Shasta. Mm-hmm. People locally say when they talk about Mount Shasta, it means "Where Heaven and Earth Meet." And I, I use that line in the film, but I decided not to use that title because um, it sounds a bit religious in a way, and I didn't really want people to think that that's what, what kind of type of film we were doing. It's really more of an alternative spirituality, mysticism type of thing. So overall, that's pretty much what Dreams Awake is, is trying to wake up in the dream of, of life that we seem to be living. There seems to be a movement afoot to distinguish between religion and spirituality, where the idea is that spirituality is what 
takes place in your heart rather than what takes place in a building or a community. Right. Yeah, I think um, when I look at religion critically, it just feels like it's about the doctrines and the dogmas that they, they give out toward the masses. It's more for, I, I don't want to say a negative because I think that it has its place. I think people, it is obviously because people unique and they want it and that's perfectly fine I have, I have no issue with that whatsoever it just feels like we're all such unique uh, human beings spiritual beings that there's, there's more custom-made things where if people really want to like I said take responsibility for their own spiritual growth that they need to have that intent and effort to do that and, and maybe go beyond where maybe some of these traditional things in the past what people have relied on so yeah I think now I don't know how that started maybe it's always been going on actually when you look back to the history of religion it always seems like there's been those movements when you go back to Christianity the Gnosticism all that type of thing and they've all had sort of these secret sects you know you know you've got the Sufis with Islam and you've got all kinds of other types of things in their alternative religions that do these types of things so I think that's always been there I don't know that that's that new it's just that now we live in a modern technological society and we can, people can be more aware of those types of things that are going on and maybe more people then want to do those types of things. So and I think that's a good thing. When you look at the problems besetting uh Society, particular. Let's start with the family. When you set the scene of the the kids being stuck in their video games and iPods, and uh, the adults being stuck in their work and in their own little world of dreams and imagination, um, the answers seem to always come back to spiritual answers. And working your way through the problems um, is is very individual for each one. Um, let's talk about what the the mother hope um, experiences. She she's been having these recurring dreams, and she. Um, being a naturopath uh, by profession, you know, she knows all about breathing and meditation and so on. So um, you start by taking her through these practices, uh, and yet she's not finding the solution there. What about meditation, for example, as a thing? Um, well, I think, I, for me anyway, because I practice meditation, it's a very um, important tool and um, for going inside of myself and kind of sorting through and, and taking a look at things, uh, maybe fixing things, changing things. And, and I think for the character Hope, she she's blocked in a way. I guess you could say she's not maybe really working it the best way she can. I, I think she's blocked because of some, in the story, there's some past history that you might say she's blocked out because of the traumatic event that happened. And I think trauma has a lot to do with, you know, sometimes how our personalities develop as we go from child to adult, because especially as a child, we're so powerless and some things can happen to us that we have no control of. And that's part of what the story is about, that she, as an adult, has to face up to that and figure out what's wrong with that child part of her being. 
which is what, what a lot of the movie is about, is her discovering that that's where the block is, and then her trying to find out um, that she needs to take a close look at this and what happened and, and figure out a way to fix it. And meditation in some way I think is kind of a tool to release that so she can in a way free herself up. And I feel like in my own experience in meditation, I've been meditating for over 40 years now. I started when I was, when I was like 20 years old or something when I was in college. And um, so that for me, it's a very valid process because of just some things I've gone through and had to fix and or figure out and learn from in my own experiences. So I, so it's very. I mean, I like the fact that I was able to put some of that in a film because, um, of course, I did not have the type of event that happened there because in filmmaking you kind of have to over exaggerate. You have to be a little more dramatic, a little more. To pull people in, and maybe real life may sometimes be like. Although <laughs> there's some things happen to me, I guess I could probably put this on, but they're kind of private in a way, I guess. So I, I keep them there, and I just try to figure out how this thing works for me. So yeah, meditation to me is a very valid thing to do, and I, I, I want to sort of put that out there as part of the film too, because so many it's such a common thing now. Meditation. I remember when I was started in the early '70s, it was more like an obscure thing to do. I mean, you just heard about the TM thing with, you know, the Beatles meeting Maharishi and those types of things. And you would hear about it, and the general society would look at that. Well, that's kind of weird, but you know they're doing it. And then, but the hair, now, now you look, you know, 40 years later, and it's really mainstream, which I think is great. Um, so yeah. Well, wouldn't you say that we're um, looking outside of ourselves for the solutions? Um, society is always looking to blame people, blame others. So meditation is a way of looking inside and finding the reasons inside rather than outside. Oh, of course, very much so. I, I really believe that a lot. Um, and I feel like I've had enough, enough personal experience to... To validate that for myself. Now, you know, me, I'd like to say, you know, everybody should be doing it, but it's pretty hard to tell somebody who really isn't open to that. But I've watched that change over the years, and it's great. I think that that's, I would think that that over time would have a big effect. Then, on the other side, have a big effect on the outside, on our society. Now, I don't know that it has. In some aspects, maybe it has, but sometimes I look overall in the world, and sometimes things seem more more negative and more tense than they have ever been. But maybe on the other end, if I, when I talk to other people I know that are trying to work their lives, their lives, they don't pay attention to that and they're fine within their own world. So I don't know, it's hard to say. Um, I'd like to think that it could, that the inner search, the meditation allows, you know, tools that it allows us to do is can have an effect on the outside world so that it can be added as a, is an additional solution to whatever other things people think can fix things in the world. So, yeah, I think it's pretty valid. You know, we're having this discussion just after the results of the elections in the United States. And I think it is really a time for all of us to reflect very deeply on um where we have been part of the problems and how we can be part of the solution. So that's all part of this self-reflective process that you are um, dramatizing in your film. Uh, I think it's, it's in that way, it's, it's really very timely. 
Yeah, that's yeah. great. I'm, I'm glad it is. <laughs> and also, isn't Mercury in retrograde right now? Something that's been a time for reflection or something from what I've heard. I don't know. Yeah, I, Usually when re- Mercury is in retrograde, my computer doesn't work, and it's still working. <laughs> yeah, there's that. <laughs> right. Don't jinx it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think this is all very valid. It's it's kind of great. It's, I think it's really great to be alive now in the world as far as to see a lot of this stuff. And I hope I'm, I hope I'm going to be around for a lot longer to see how how this progresses, you know, in the next 20, 30, 40 years, which hopefully I'll get to see. So, Yeah. Well, you know, it's filmmakers and authors like you who are contributing to the progress to, um, as as you call for in your films, awakening to the possibilities of a new world and, and our role in it. It's It's just so exciting. Let's talk about another theme in your film, which is, uh, what you call a spiritual immortality. What do you mean by that? Well, um, part of it comes out of my, I guess, one of one of the big problems, and I'm trying to say this not in negative, one of the big problems I have, I guess, with kind of traditional organized religion is how we, how we purchase or how we merchandise the idea of, of of immortality through our religions and saying that you have to do this, do this, or do that, and then you're going to have spiritual immortality, which seems odd to me because it seems like they're trying to sell something that we really already have, that we may not be quite aware that we have it. At least that's my feeling about it, is that um, it's more like shining a light on something that doesn't seem quite right. It seems like a big sales con job to me. And I mentioned that in there's a there's a long conversation in the film that sort of this Ambrose character has with the main character Hope, in which he expresses that, and that was one of the problems. One of the one of the things we thought we were going to have trouble with the film is that conversation in the rough edit is about twice as long as we had, we had in the, in the in the in the final edit, because there was so much stuff we said there, and we didn't know if the audience was going to follow us, through, because it was such a long thing. And we kind of tested it with some people. We did a little bit of a test screening with a few people here and there. And, and what we found was really interesting was people wanted more of that. Instead of less, they wanted more. And we're thinking, God, how can we put so much more? Because when you have long dialogue scenes in movies, it kind of weighs the movie down too much. And you have to be careful about preaching too much. And it was a point I wanted to get across, but without hitting people over the head. And at this one point, maybe we do a little bit. And we could have a lot more, and I decided not to add the stuff back in that we didn't have that we had and that's what i mean by that is it 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 seems kind of a weird thing to talk about spiritual immortality as something we have to find because it feels like it's something we really already have that's then trying to be sold to us as a bill of goods and, and it doesn't feel right to me and, and I, know, I think other people have talked about this so that's that's what i mean is, is, is to me that's part of the awakening process of being aware that that's really true without needing to believe in this, this, or that, to guarantee that you have spiritual immortality, which is, to me, part of the thing that the religion sells. And it's, it's, it's the part that I don't like about religion. There are very, there's some things to like about religion, of course. And, 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 and in some ways, it may seem a bit negative, but it, it just I just wanted to bring that up. In fact, we've had some negative responses pretty, from pretty devout religious people about that part of the film. They really don't like that. And I'd say, well, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to, you know, be negative about it. I'm just trying to, it's just a certain point of view. 
And after all, it's just a film. I don't think it's going to bring down Western civilization because of that point of view. So that's well, what, kind of what I mean about that. <laughs> what I'm seeing in, in the books that we're reviewing and, and interviews that we've had recently is a convergence between um, religion and spirituality and, and science. Um, just last week, I interviewed Dr. Eben Alexander, a, a neurosurgeon who taught at Harvard Medical School, who had a uh, near-death experience and came back and wrote a book called Proof of Heaven. Oh, yeah. I read the story about that in Newsweek just recently. There was a cover story. But in fact, my wife just bought the book, and I haven't read it yet, so I was planning on reading it soon. Yeah, I've heard about that. It's, it's a fascinating book and a fascinating story, and it tells about uh, somebody who remains a, uh, I guess you'd call him a religious person, he was a religious person before he went into this, and it hasn't um, uh, overturned his sense of, of connection to God. It's only strengthened it. And yet he's able to talk about uh, concepts like uh, immortality of the spirit mm-hmm. uh, without apology. And right. this is what you're you're doing in your direction what he's doing it's a a wonderful thing to be able to do when you consider how would you live your life differently if you knew that you wouldn't die right exactly that's a very good point yeah i like that yeah in fact that's part of we have another film that we're developing right now that we want to shoot within the next year or two we're just in the early phases of putting together a business plan to raise the funding. It's called One Hand. It's, it's not part of the trilogy. It's another film I've been wanting to do for a while. It's called One Hand Clapping, and it was. it's actually been optioned by three different production companies over the last 15 years, and the option has come back to me, and I decided to do this indie film. And we're going to shoot it out in the Austin, Texas area, which is where I know a lot of you know the film. There's a big indie film uh, community there. And it, it, it talks about the, the main theme of the. It's about a, It's about a pretty traditional small town family in Texas, but the, the subtext underneath is about reincarnation. Hmm. We tackle reincarnation, and that some of the problems some of the people are having with it doesn't have anything to do with this life. It has to do with previous things that happened to them, and that comes out during the course of the story. And we're. It's called one hand clapping. We have a poster on it. Last year we shot a trailer, which means we shot a promotional trailer. To help show it, to, to show to investors and potential people interested in it, so that we could raise the funding on it and then shoot it. And um, we're trying to, we're going to try to get more major casting. Um, I have some feelers out to people, and we have the script out. And it should be, it's going to, it's not, it's not a type of film that's as overtly spiritual as Dreams Awake, but it has spiritual stuff in it. And it, it probably is more accessible for a mainstream audience. And that's what we want to get to, to have it, to grow our audience so that more people can, like, start thinking about this stuff. And that's, that's kind of where we are now. We're trying, we're finishing up the film festival circuit for Dreams Awake and we want to next year start developing, get this forward. We're actually going to be, we're ending our film festival run in Monaco. I don't know if I told you this, but, uh, December 7th, we're going to be in the country of Monaco. At the, uh, it's called the uh, Monaco International Film Festival, and they have something called the Angel Film Awards. And mm-hmm. what's great about it is it's, 
it's films, positive films, transformational films, positive films without violence in them. And they really liked our, they actually asked to submit the film, we submitted it. And they're going to have us as the opening night film, and there's going to be a big gala, and it's going to be a big event for all of us. So we're going to get on a world stage. They're inviting all the media all over Europe is going to be there. The BBC is going to be filming it. So this is going to, and Aaron Gray, who's the lead in our film, is going to go with us. So we're going to have a big um, um, opportunity to have a lot of media exposure for our film on a worldwide basis. That's really exciting. When did they yeah, start really these Angel that, Awards? Yeah. When did yeah, they, sorry, when did when did the Monaco Film Festival start with this Angel Award? Uh, this will be the tenth year. They've been doing it for nine years, and this will be the tenth year. Um, Do you have a sense that it has grown from year to year? Uh, it seems like it has. They've had some um, fairly big people. That with big names that have come there. I don't know who they're going to have this year. They're trying to get certain people there. Uh, it's my understanding that um, the um, the night after our film is going to be a highlighted film that's a documentary about, it's going to be world premiere of documentary of Nelson Mandela. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, he's fairly old now. They're trying to get him there. I don't know if that's going to happen. But uh, so it's that type of thing. We're going to get to screen just before that. So we're going to, there's going to be, we're going to be showcased, so that'll be great. And so we're hoping that that's going to really catapult us, um, the, the attention for the film and then get us to the, our next film is what we're trying to do is help get that. Because we want to continue the process. We have, we have other films we're developing. We, we don't want to stop here. We want to keep growing this thing. And hopefully more and more people become aware of what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. You know... The, I, I think that the media, particularly the film uh, industry, bears a lot of responsibility, um, both for some of the violence that's been growing in our society, as well as for uh, you know some of the awakening. Yeah. Film is such a powerful medium, um, and you you keep on seeing that the feel good films that you're talking about do very well in the box office and yet it's very difficult for feel-good filmmakers to get funding they have to go the indie route is that your impression it's really crazy it's i don't know what it is about holly i don't know what it is they just have a i've for years i worked for one of the film studios um in the financial section i was an auditor type person while i was trying to make it in the industry as a writer it was kind of my day job while i was writing on this night on the weekend (laughs) And I've been around a lot of that world <clears throat> and had to pitch to studio executives. And I have to tell you, they are some of the most um, down, negative people I, I run across. It's just, it's weird that they're in the positions of power that they're in because they have, they can make or break projects really easy. And, and the dark stuff that they put out is getting so old and tiresome. And they claim that there's a big market for it. And you know, they do make money on it, on this stuff. And there are people, but they're like, they're, they're they seem to just be kowtowing to the lowest common denominator of people. You know, that's just what the, you know, I think they could change their paradigm and do exactly what you said and put more of that out there and still be successful. But they just don't seem to be that, at least the people, other people I've met don't seem that interested. They're in the minority. I think there's people, there are people like that, like there, but they seem to be in the minority. And maybe that can change if more and more of these types of things come out. And they can see it's a good thing to do, but it's still, 
hate to say it, quite a ways from there. And it's it's one of the frustrating things because I, I you know, dreams awake and one hand clapping. The, the the my screenplay I just talked about. Those are not the only spiritual scripts I've written. I've written 17 screenplays. I've written several, about a half a dozen that have spiritual, um, you know, more positive messages. And I and I've sent those things out, and they just laugh at you, especially when you pitch them. They think you're an idiot. And it's so surprising to me, you know. And I'm, and I'm looking and thinking, well, okay, you sure that's what what this really is? Anyway, it is very frustrating, and I've experienced it firsthand. And I know other filmmakers have had because I actually, uh, when I met Stephen, I actually met Stephen Simon several years ago when he, just about the time he was getting ready to start the Spiritual Cinema Circle, and I had a conversation with him about the. We were we, he we were I was at a little tiny seminar that he did in Ojai. And there were only about 10 or 12 of us in the room, and he sat down and told us about this idea he had spiritual sin. We all thought it was a great idea, and everybody thought, but everybody was thinking, but do you really think it can really go anywhere with the way Hollywood is? And, of course, he really had to set that whole structure up outside of the whole structure of Hollywood to have any kind of success with it. Mm-hmm. It was associated with that. I know it's changed a little bit. I think GAM or somebody took took it over. So those types of things, are, people are trying to get that going, but in mainstream Hollywood, I... You know, I don't have a whole lot of hope for that at this point, although, you know, you never know. <laughs> Are you familiar with the uh, the Gate uh, Award? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I have I have heard about that, and I think I actually went to one of their things, and I haven't really kind of kept up with that. Um, that's um, I don't know what's been going on with it lately. I haven't had too much contact with them lately. But, yes, I do know about that. Um, well, people like uh, Jim Carrey, right, you know, right. have gotten behind it. Right. Yeah, I heard that. Right. Well, maybe that this maybe there's a casting idea. Maybe I should contact his people if he wants to do my film. <laughs> I think you really should submit your film. Absolutely, because what they're trying to do is exactly what we're discussing, which is give prominence to the kind of of uh, it's not just feel good films, but it's. Um, reflecting the kind of society you want to live in it's being the uh the imaginal cell or the imaginal body of society and developing into the the beautiful butterfly that you want to see rather than the ugly slug <laughs> right 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 yeah so i i, I that's something for me actually to follow up on do it. Yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you some contact numbers afterwards if you need them. Okay, great. That'd be great. So, do you feel a sense of mission when you create a film like this? Yeah, there, there's a there's a certain joy to that, and a certain um, feeling of responsibility that sometimes can feel a little weighty. But at the same time, I get the feeling, well, this is something I get to do. I mean, you know, when you're in this position, you say, well, you should take advantage of this in this unique position. Because I feel like I'm lucky just to be able to do this. I mean, of course, I'm not, I'm just a small indie filmmaker, but, you know, I don't have some big studio backing me up. It'd be great if I had a big studio backing me up and I could put these kind of messages out, but that isn't the case. So I do what little I can do. And yes, I do. I feel like that it's important to, for me, as a human being, a spiritual being, to add 
you know, to progress where the world and society in general is going. Now, I don't know how much an effect I'll have, and I'm not going to worry about that. I'll let other people think about that or worry about it. I'll just do whatever little I can do. And I have no, yeah, I, I, th- I feel lucky to be able to do that, that I actually get to do it. <laughs> it's not something I have to do. It's something I get to do. And so I try to enjoy that and um, try not to be a, too much of a salesman about it, push it on, just say, look, this is out there for people who may have an interest, and if you do, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine, too. So, um, yeah, I, I think this time in society is just each of us doing our bit, you know, and, and doing the best we can. Uh-huh. Correct. So tell me why you were drawn to the Mount Shasta area. You even bought a, a house there, didn't you? Yeah, we bought that house there about 10 years ago, and I've been going there. The first year I was ever there was 1972, and I was only 20 years old. I went with some friends there and was just very, had heard about the mountain, was just very enamored with it, and um, over the years have gone back. And finally, my wife and I said, you know, we need to have a second place up here just sort of just so we could, we could actually come up here more often than maybe once a year or once every other year. So I, I actually spend about six months out of the year up there now. And we're actually thinking about maybe trying to be up there full time and kind of just being totally out of the Hollywood, L.A. area completely. Well, I can understand wanting to leave the L.A. area, but why necessarily go to Mount Shasta? What are you feeling there that you're not feeling elsewhere? Um, it, it just feels, it, it feels like it's a spiritually high place. Um, I think there are places like that on the planet. You know, there's people talk about sacred places and, and spiritual sacred sites, and, and I think Mount Shasta is one of those places. Um, I have had some spiritual experiences myself on the mountain, so in meditation. So it's it's sort of a, you know, you might say it's sort of my mecca in a way. You know, can you describe one of your experiences? Uh, well, let's see. Yeah, I've actually had. Um, I've had contact with beings, spiritual beings on the mountain. I have had meditations where you actually feel like you're going up in an elevator and you see lights and you see other levels or dimensions and interacted with them outside of my physical. Um, And it seems like Mount Shasta, and I've talked to other people who've had similar experiences. In fact, in Mount Shasta, there's a bookstore, there's bookstores there that have books about Mount Shasta. You can't seem to find any place else because of all the experiences people have had. So, it, so it's like it's a place you want to go to have those experiences more often. And it seems to facilitate. It's like they say there, it's where heaven and earth meet, like we say in the movie. There are places on the planet where the t- spiritual topography can match the spiritual topography. So it's like it's easy to have a spiritual experience there. If you're, that's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I mean, other people use it for other things like mountain climbing and, and skiing and those types of recreational things, which is fine. But I, I have a feeling that they may be feeling some of those things, whether they realize it or not. They're drawn. People are really drawn to Mount Shasta. I've talked to so many people from all parts of the world who just go there for that type of spiritual, you know. I have a, a friend who uh, is uh, an intuitive uh, and met an interdimensional being there whom she now channels. Uh-huh. Uh, it, That's a pretty common experience for people. That a number of people I know do those types of things. Uh-huh. And, uh, so it's, 
it's much more common there. I think I think a lot of the townspeople, the more average townspeople, think that we're kind of all crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but there are enough people you can talk about in town where that's almost like it's an everyday occurrence. So it's real different when you're actually there. It's like you're, when you're in the town and you're around that thing, you're almost in, a, in your own little dimension, too, that's separate from the rest of the world because a lot of people just live that day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been to too many places. I mean, I know I've been to other places that have felt spiritual, but I, don't, I haven't been to any other places I can think of where it's quite like that, where it's so, so normally accepted in, in, mm-hmm. for the most part by a lot of the town's people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's almost like there's a town I know that... Um, TM really grew in Iowa, and I think there's some town there that he pretty much kind of took it over as far as the city council and the mayor and, and a lot of city services are pretty much TM people, and they have their own town. In some ways, Shasta TM being almost, transcendental meditation. Right. In, in, in Shasta, almost some ways feels that way. Mm-hmm. You know, but not by any particular group, but just lots of different ones there. What do you hope that your film will achieve, Jerry? Wow, that's a, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> Aside from financial that, success. <laughs> well, that would be nice, but it, mainly for the main reason because I'm not really into the money part of it, but to continue the, continue doing more films. Having financial success that allows us to do that, to, to, to just put more out there, because we would just put money right back into the company and just create more films. And that's my plan, our plan. But I think the main thing I would like it to do is, is for it to find its audience, the audience that for the people who can get something out of it. You know, if there would be a way for that, if you could just hook everybody up and say, okay, whether it be by social media or internet or call, or however, you know, it would happen. If you just put it out there, you know, into the world and say, okay, if all the people who, you know, would get something out of this, who would like this, who would get something from this, could find this. And then it'd be something, you know, that could add to their own little feeling or idea of spirituality in the world. And that would be great. I would be, you know, greatly gratified by that. And, 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 and like you said, adding to the progress of everything. And that would be the main thing, probably, is if there was a way to, to do that, that I would, that I would hope that would, that would happen. Mm-hmm. And do you have a website for the movie? Yes, we do. Dreamsawakemovie.com. Where are you taking it next? You said you were going to Monaco. Are are you? How are you distributing it? Well, we we decided to start self distributing it. We we can buy our DVD off the website. We we did we went that way because we did have some interest from distributors, but I know how the distribution world works because I worked in it, and they're really bad deals. They don't want to really help you financially. They want to take all the rights, put it out there the way they want to, and they're not very you know, enlightened about how they would put it out there because I've had conversations. And to tell you the truth, a lot of them have no idea how to handle the film because it's not like a lot of films they handle. So mm-hmm. as far as putting it out into the world, they don't really understand the marketing of it. The studios don't. So I thought, well, we understand the film better than anybody, so we're just going to start and see what happens. We've had a few more distribution inquiries, and maybe we'll eventually something will happen. We don't know we're down the road. But we felt like we had to put it out in however way we could. We put it and DVDs uh, online, and we've also, it's on Amazon, um, we did this film festival run to get more people aware of it, and we've been in 20 festivals now, and we've won 14 different awards, so we have won awards, 
which has really, you know, increased our notice. And uh, we do have two more we're doing before the end of the year. Um, next week, we're going to be in New York City. We're going to be in actually in Greenwich Village at the, at the Independent um, Film Festival Manhattan. And it's on the 14th we're screening. And it's going to be at the Quad Cinemas, which is a pretty well-known independent film um, cinema that, that really supports indie film. And we got chosen. They really liked our film. And it was hard to get in this festival. We got in. So we're going to be there to a Manhattan audience. And then the following month, like I said, in December, we'll be in Monaco. Those are the next two we know about. We'll see if we're in any more. I don't know. We're probably near the end of the festival run. It started in April of this year. And uh, we're kind of just we're, we're going to look at our distribution options at the beginning of the year. And then we're going to start pushing on our next project to get that out there. Mm-hmm. I might also add that you can buy the DVD through our site at ncreview.com. And it was a fascinating film. I really enjoyed it, Jerry. So I just want to say, well done. I I get a lot of films for review, and uh, this one was a, a pleasure to screen for. Really glad. That's great. Thank you. Well, um, I think that just about wraps up our... Uh, interview for today so I'm uh, looking forward to your next film Jerry and I hope you will come back when you have uh, it in the can as they say okay great I really really appreciate you having me on here it's been really fun it's been delightful we've been speaking with Jerry Alden Deal the filmmaker behind Dreams Awake the movie and I want to say goodbye to you, Jerry. Thank you for joining Thanks. us. Bye. Goodbye to you, too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Jerry brought up some serious questions about the entertainment industry, and we want to know what you think. We're going to put up a survey on our website asking you for your opinion about the influence of the entertainment industry in society today. Where should their responsibility end and where should our responsibility as consumers begin? Just go to www.ncreview.com and you'll find a link right on the home page. We'll be posting the results in our blog and on our Facebook page, so keep a lookout for them. You know, if you enjoyed this interview, you'll find many more on the New Consciousness Review website, along with hundreds of book, film, and CD listings and reviews. You'll also find fun features like video book bites and trailers, author profiles and events, and lots more, as well as links to our mobile app and social media pages. That's at ncreview.com. Next week's fascinating guest will be a former nuclear submarine officer, Fortune 500 CEO, CNN radio host, and author J.D. Messenger, talking about his new book, 11 Days in May. This will be a very thought-provoking show, so you won't want to miss it. Before we close with our musical selection, here's just a little reminder about the heart and soul of the NCR website, our reviewers, and our need for reviewers. Do you review? Reviewers are the cornerstone of New Consciousness Review, and we are always looking for enthusiastic readers to join our team. You get first peek at leading-edge books and build your library in the process. 
Reviews don't have to be long, just your honest opinion, and you'll be providing an important service to the community. So if you're interested, email us at reviews at ncreview.com. And now it's time for our track of the week with music selected by Scott Johnson from among members of the Positive Music Association. With styles ranging from pop and rock to folk and jazz, this growing group of musicians is using music not only to entertain, but to make a positive difference in people's lives and in the world. This week we are featuring The Grand Design by Greg Tamblin.
That was The Grand Design by Greg Tamblin. Greg has been a motivational humorist, singer, songwriter, speaker, author, and MC for over 20 years. Based for many years in Nashville, Greg discovered there was no shortage of Why Me songs and began exploring ways to lighten up life's challenges with mind-expanding songs like Self-Employment Made Harder by Difficult Boss and Analog Brain in a Digital World. You can learn more about Greg on his website, gregtamblin.com. That's G-R-E-G-T-A-M-B-L-Y-N.com. And to learn more about the Positive Music Association, go to positivemusicassociation.com, a wonderful organization. Well, that wraps up our show for today. To find more books and films and interviews, Check out our website at ncreview.com. You can leave comments for us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ncreview. And if you enjoyed our show, I hope you'll tell your friends. Please visit our website. Don't forget to take our survey. And as we've learned in our elections, every opinion counts. So until next week, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.